You know, this is the one of the Sundays that's always a little difficult because all of our Christmas stuff is down, and so it kind of looks plain, but um, good, to, good to see everybody. Hey, a couple things uh, that I wanted to mention. We had sent out an email, I think it was a couple weeks ago. If you had changed any of your contact information, or if you don't get a weekly email from us, um, you can go to our website. You can go to that email that was sent out, but if you're not on the email list, you can go to our website and fill out just on the website your information, or there's an envelope in front of you there that you can write it and throw it in there as well, too. So any contact information, uh, phone numbers, your, your, any, any info that we can connect with you, we would love to do that uh, as well, too. And then this coming, uh, actually, Friday and Saturday, this is our food ministry weekend. We, right, so this is coming up this weekend. Um, so we've been doing it almost 10 months, maybe nine, nine or 10 months. Uh, this last December was the largest amount of people that we were able to, to serve. And uh, we had toys for the kids and the whole bit. But if you would like to help on Friday, if you're available, uh, they set up from one o'clock to about four o'clock. But where we do need some help is on Saturday serving people. And how that works is we meet about 9.30 and uh, you get set sections of serving food as people come in the fellowship hall. But I do need some strong guys that would like to hang out with me to carry some heavy boxes to put in some people's cars. And that's a blessing because that's where a conversation uh, takes place. So we'll send out information. But if you'd like to do that, see us at the end of service. We'd love to get you involved. And after service... Uh, because Trader Joe's is now one of the grocery stores donating. Stephen told me before service, if we had the space, he could pick up every day from Trader Joe's. So, uh, which we don't have the space, but we now have a commercial refrigerator, freezer, that they're stocking up food. And after service, to be a blessing to our church, there are eggs, cartons of eggs. How many of you have seen the price of eggs lately? And I did a little research uh, and found out that in my city, I can have 20 chickens in my backyard. But then I looked at it, you know, it's a seven day a week, which, you know, we have dogs. But if you leave, that means whoever like house sits or feeds your dogs has to take the chickens out, feed the chickens, collect eggs. I'm like, no, forget that. I'll just go after service here and get some eggs. So um, anyways, that'll be uh, right after service. So let me read these two, uh, actually three verses for our tithes and offerings today. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Bless, everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man. Now, ladies, that doesn't exclude you, right? That's the language of the time. So ladies are like, no, all the ladies want to be blessed. Right? Blessed is the man that, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So we put up a prayer each week, and I want you to pray this prayer as part of our offering and our giving to the Lord today. Pray it individually. Pray it from your heart 
to the Father. Look at those promises of blessed are those that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? And that example of being a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I pray that God will guard my path and help me walk in his ways as I obey his commands all the days of my life. Let my, fruit, let my life be fruitful and impacting for your kingdom, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving today, there is an envelope in the seat back pocket. You can place that in the offering slot that is on the wall as you exit. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. You can also download today's uh, message notes uh, as well, too. So if you have your Bibles or if you're using your phone or if you're using a tablet or if you're using your memory, you've got it all memorized. No, none of us have it all memorized. I want you to open to a couple places. Matthew 25 and then Proverbs chapter 3. Matthew 25, Proverbs 3. In fact, my title today is Trust in the Lord. But I want to look at a few things when we hit that verse in Mark 3. But I want to set this up with two words that we read last week that I want really to be a theme of our hearts this year unto me, Jesus said. But I want to read what Jesus said in Matthew 25. And I want to read in verse 31 through verse 40. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. Jesus says these words. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer. This is Jesus's answer. The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now, I want to put back up on the screen here um, those two words. In fact, some of the translations are a little bit different, but the, um, we read this a few different ways. New King James, which I just read, says, you did it. Jesus said, you did it to me, right? American Standard Version, those two words that really impacted me, you did it unto me. 
The New Living says, you were doing it to me. And then the New Century version is, you also did it for me. So my prayer this year that we remember two words. Isn't that easy? Can you remember two words this year? Look at your name. Somebody, some, somebody next to you looks lost. Two words? That's a lot. <laughs> you were doing it unto me. So, Father, as we read these verses today, would you impact our hearts that we remember our going around life, we're doing this unto you. You are the king. You are returning. You have rewards. And we are serving you. Father, we pray that these verses speak to our heart. We're not reading them. In fact, the word of God is reading our hearts. We thank you for the life that you give each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, all right, find somebody next to you and say, do it unto him. Right? Do it unto him. Well, Proverbs chapter 3, in fact, opens with a word called trust. Right? Trust. My son, um, when he had switched schools and went to a middle school, in La Mirada, one of his friends, good friends to this day, his dad was a stuntman. He'd been in several of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. In fact, if you saw Mark, Mark was the stunt double for Christian Slater. Looks just, I mean, exactly like Christian Slater. Well, because of the, the business and because of the movie theaters or the productions moving to places like Georgia, Pennsylvania, really to get a job these days, you kind of had had to move so he would pick up these little freelance projects like uh, we need you for this commercial we're going to light you on fire oh yeah that sounds great we'll fit that in this afternoon so I remember he was telling me about this one they were going to light him on fire and uh and he all that goes into it and they sent him like this contract and everything to write and then he says and, and I need my three guys to bring with me and they're like no 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 we'll supply the guys he says no 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 I bring my three guys that I trust because when you light yourself on fire, like you've got to, no, 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 we have, the, we have these guys that have done it before. And he says, you know what? If you don't let me bring these guys, he says, I'm not going to do it. In fact, he didn't end up doing it. He said, when you light yourself on fire, don't try this at home too, by the way, this afternoon. Um, one of the things is the oxygen gets sucked out of you. And so if they're having you run and they're having you do something, that oxygen releases and you've got to trust the team with you. Because they're going to put you out. You don't want somebody on their phone that's posting something and you're on fire sitting there like, don't forget about me. So all of us have seen movies where somebody's right been lit on fire. We look at that and we think, man, that's pretty cool. But when you hear all that goes into it. So he mentioned that word. He says, you know, I had to trust them. Now, when we read Proverbs chapter 3, in fact, let me turn there in my Bible. Proverbs 3. There's usually a few of the verses that we stop at Proverbs. And remember, um, most of our Proverbs here are from Solomon. And in Proverbs chapter 3, he's going to start uh, in verse 3 with that word trust. With that word trust. So let me read that to us today. Proverbs 3, and I'm going to read from verse 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. 
in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. How many of you heard that verse before? That's probably one of the most familiar verses in the book of Proverbs. But then he goes on in the other two verses, we forget kind of connect in that. And he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes. He uses that word, fear the Lord. Last week, we talked a little bit about in the Bible how we, we read all the time God is love, but actually that's only found three or four times in the Bible. We read almost like 400 times that God is holy. We read well over 100 times in the Old Testament to fear the Lord. And yet many times we focus on God's love, but his love flows from when I walk in the fear of the Lord. And that fear is one of those words that's tough because when I say the word fear, we all have ideas of something. In fact, it still is, and somehow it never changes. The two biggest fears are, one, the fear of spiders. How many is afraid of spiders? Snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? All right. Only a couple of you. Everybody, yeah, bring them on, right? Bring, them, bring on those. In my house, the littlest spider causes the loudest scream. Ah! Dad, what? There's a spider. And, you, you know, you think it's some, like, huge thing coming out of the ceiling. I'm like, I don't even see it. It's right there. Oh, come on. Now, I understand snakes. In fact, there's a story that my mom still remembers from when I was back in college. We went through this few months season of having freshwater fish that were like, you know, crazy and they would eat other type of fish, like not goldfish. Then we got into snakes. And I remember our, our friend coming back to our, this, you know, I'm on college campus, right? So we've got a snake in our room and we would take it to class. We'd take it to McDonald's. It would sit on our hat. One day it died. And then our roommate came home with a six-foot boa constrictor. Well, we didn't have an, a, a, an aquarium or anything to keep it in, so we just let it loose and roamed around you know, our, our whole room there. But we would take turns on the weekend taking it home. So I remember bringing it home in my car. We were living in San Gabriel, and I filled up the bathtub, and I threw the six-foot, six I'm 6'2", right? So I mean, a big old boa constrictor, put it in the bathtub, but nobody was home that I thought. I didn't know my mom was home, and it was in the garage. So I'm going back in my room, and I'm starting some homework, and I didn't know that she needed to go to the restroom, and she went into the bathroom, and she sat down on the toilet, and all of a sudden this head popped out of the bathtub, and it was this snake. And she screamed, right? She told me, she just screamed, help, help. And I went running in, it was, it was a, my snake. Oh, that's our snake. You just can't bring a six-foot snake home and not tell anybody. Well, okay, well, I had to bring it home, right? I couldn't just leave it, you know, cruising around the campus. Well, we understand that type of fear, but Proverbs 1, 7, somehow when we say fear of the Lord, somehow that doesn't compute. And we looked at a couple verses last week. Proverbs 1, 7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I always remember that. It's the beginning. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's interesting, even reading Proverbs 3 early on, 
we, we find out don't lean to your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Starts early off here of, but fools despise that, the fear of the Lord. So we looked at this last week and the Amplified, another version that broke down some of the wording from the Hebrew. And I want to read that to us today. Proverbs 1, 7 out of the Amplified. And it says this, the reverent fear of the Lord. That is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge its starting point and its essence but arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline so the reverent fear of the lord is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome now I think I said last week, we used the word awesome. I had this breakfast burrito this morning. You know what it was? It was awesome. No, it wasn't, right? It wasn't awesome. That, that word we should reserve for the Lord. David steps outside and he looks outside and he says, when I consider the work of your hands, the sun, the moon, and the stars, who am I? Right? That you would even consider me. Who am I that you would consider me? But that fear of the Lord is that awesome, that worshiping him, regarding him as awesome. That is the beginning. And it's interesting when we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But it also connects that trust is also that reverent fear of an awesome God. Jesus said something in John chapter 2 is that, uh, in fact, one of the translations says he didn't entrust himself to any man because he knew what was in man. He didn't entrust him. So what's interesting, the Bible doesn't teach us to trust people. It's to trust the Lord because we let people down, don't we? God never lets us down. He's always there. So the fear of the Lord isn't something dreadful like a spider or a snake of God. In fact, to fear the Lord is something holy and it's something wonderful. The fear of the Lord, in fact, it's interesting, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, we're told to walk in the fear of the Lord. When the Bible asks us, do you want wisdom? The answer is, fear the Lord. Do you want long life? The Bible says, walk in the fear of the Lord. Do you want God's protection? You walk in the fear of the Lord. Do you want his blessing? Walk in the fear of the Lord. Do you want to know the true love of God? Then walk in the fear of the Lord. Do you want to bring honor to him? Then you walk in the fear of the Lord. Parents, us parents, do we want our children to be safe? Then we walk and we fear the Lord. So God said it. Moses said it, Jesus said it over and over that there is that need for us to walk in the fear of the Lord. So I tried to describe it a little bit better. It's not associated with a terror or a kind of fear which makes a person run and hide from God. Well, Genesis 3, who ran and hid from God? Adam and Eve, 
That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a holy reverence for God. It's living life in awe of him, his holiness. And I live my life with a desire to please him and only him. We're in awe of his holiness, his power, his purity, his righteousness, all that he's done. In fact, here's an interesting scripture if you've never read this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 through 20. Before Israel ever had a king, and God's desire was to never lead Israel through a king, he wanted to lead Israel himself, but he wanted to use a prophet. But early on in the law, God sets up this verse. Listen to this. And it shall be talking about if a king is appointed, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book from one before the priests and Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God. And be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel." Notice that what God wanted to set up for a king was a spiritual discipline of writing out the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Keep it with you. Read that. Don't let your heart get lifted up above the people. This will prolong your kingdom. I don't think King Saul did that, did he? I think David, we see David's heart. And notice that every king that would read this, that this would prolong your days to somebody who's elected as a king. They want to stay king. Have you ever noticed? We notice that with politicians, right? They'll say whatever to get in office, and the minute they get in office, they're campaigning to stay in office, right? They want to prolong. But he says, allow the word of God and that fear of the Lord because it will be the thing that exalts you. So to fear the Lord is to be like Moses. That you recognize when you're on holy ground before the Lord, you remove your shoes. To fear the Lord is like the woman at the well. Even when Jesus tells you everything that you ever did, you want to immediately go and tell everybody that you can of what Jesus said. So let's pick this back up in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. In fact, I want all of us to read this. We'll put this up on the screen. Proverbs 3, 5 through eight. Let's say this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Last night, Michelle was passing an idea by me and she said these words. I don't want you to start thinking about it and telling me how to do it. Well, because that's how my mind goes, right? If you ask me something, she said that's rude. No, you ask me something, my mind, that's how my mind works. Why don't you do this, 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 call this one, that one, that one. 
Notice what we have a tendency to do when we read that is we have a tendency to lean to our own understanding, right? We lean back. We think about it without, when I trust the Lord, He is going to direct our paths. He's going to instruct us. It's interesting, Solomon, okay, who's writing this, who was given wisdom above anybody else on planet Earth that has ever lived except Jesus. And yet he goes into this weird life. We read about it in Ecclesiastes where everything's vanity. He has 700 wives and 300 concubines. Can you imagine that keeping up? That's, what do you, that would be like three a day to keep up with for a year. 700. In fact, it's said that one of them was a daughter of Pharaoh. The reason he did that was he thought that if he married into this other nation and brought the daughter of the king into his house, there'd be peace. Well, there sure was peace under Solomon, but I guarantee you there wasn't peace in his house with 700 wives. <laughs> Look at the husbands aren't moving. <laughs> They're standing still. Now, God didn't instruct him to do that. He just started doing these things. In fact, here's what's sad to read. The Song of Solomon, even though we read it, he never found the one. Never found the one in all of that. But he says this in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Right? I was thinking about all of his wisdom that he had and kings would travel, the queen of Sheba would travel to listen to him and to see everything. Let us, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God, keep his commandments, right? That's the whole bit of trusting in the Lord. You know, when we all grew up, I don't know, how many of you remember seeing Superman for the very first time, boys? or girls even, and you thought about, I got a beach towel somewhere in the closet. I bet if I get on the roof and I put it around my neck. Anybody ever tried to do that? And I can run and I can jump off and I'll fly like Superman. No, you won't. Some of us grew up with a guy by the name of Evil Knievel. And he would jump things, not like these guys jump and do today, but we all thought we'd get on our bikes and we'd build a ramp and we'd jump our brothers and we'd you know jump whatever we could to do it. Until we knew what happened, right? There was a crash, a bang, and a boom. And when we learned quickly about gravity, what goes up must come down. You know, the, the kids are interesting because there's no fear, like, in them at all. But they absolutely trust their parents. So I remember my son Maverick uh, growing up when we were first learning, we taught him a, a sign language thing of the word no. So everybody do it. In fact, look at somebody right next to you and go, yeah, no, don't. Not with those eyebrows, just like you did. And so if you're out with somebody and let's say he was doing something, you could easily just do a sign, sign language. Well, what Maverick liked to do, we were living in a house in La Mirada. It had a huge stairway to the second floor. And we were always concerned of him going up and then like tumbling all the way down. But he would always test it. He would crawl to the stairway and he'd turn and he'd look at you. And you'd go like this, right? No. And then he'd turn around and he'd come back. But he would always test it test it until one day he went to the stairway and he turned back and look I still could see him with that pacifier in his mouth because I could see the smile and I did this to him no and he looked back at me and he did this and he goes right up the stairway <laughs> right all the way up 
Thank God he didn't fall. But you know, it's interesting, those things that we were teaching early on, I still remember Michelle would collect teacups, and she had them on a, a table that her grandma, a little cart, and I can remember one morning early hearing what sounded like crash, something crashed, like a dish or something, not knowing that he had gotten up, got all the way down the stairs, went and found the teacups and was throwing them into the kitchen and they were breaking everywhere and he thought it was the greatest thing in the world, right? Here's that little smile around the pacifier until you have to, right, you have to teach him, no, those are mommy's teacups, right? You don't throw, at least you threw mommy's stuff. No, you don't throw, right? At least you, you got rid of those things. But there was no fear in us when we were little, was there? But somehow, somewhere, we read about it in Genesis 3, we read about it on, that those things come and they hold us back sometimes from stepping out to doing what God says to do. And our trust is never in people. Our trust is always in the Lord, not relying on gifts or talents or anything. It's allowing him to direct our steps. Right? It's interesting in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, in fact, you can read all through your Bible. It's so easy to do nowadays if you do uh, word searches. We read this in Acts chapter 3, verse 31. It says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. This is in the book of Acts where there's turmoil and persecution. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit multiplied those churches. Hey, did he say anything about this pastor's sermon that they downloaded? Boy, didn't say anything about the worship that was led. Fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. See, God always says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Well, we read that verse, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not unto our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him and he'll direct our paths. We love that part, but then we read on where it says that bit, don't be wise in your own eyes. We don't use that term wise guys anymore, do we? Don't be a wise guy. Don't be a wise gal. And he says, fear the Lord, depart from evil. And here's the connection. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I wanted to close with this one verse. In fact, um, hopefully this does fit in, but I, I thought about this verse and put it down, and I thought it's great application, again, for us today, living in the day that we are, walking before the Lord, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for the moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He uses these words, a light affliction. 
I want you to think about for a minute. Maybe you're going through physical situations. Maybe you're going through family situations. Uh, maybe there's situations you're dealing with at work. And here's what the Apostle Paul gives us some encouragement today. Oh, that's a light affliction. So if somebody calls you this week with something heavy on their heart, I want you to tell them, you know what? That's just a light affliction. See how that goes over. <laughs> Click, right? right? Unfriend uh, the whole bit. So this is the word of God to us that what I think might be pressing is a light affliction compared to eternity. It's a light affliction. In fact, Paul calls it the things which we see, they're temporary. Jesus talked about, hey, the grass withers and the flower fades, right? It's the word of God that lasts forever. But the things which are unseen are eternal. The unseen. These laws, which we read in the Old Testament, that are God's promises placed in our heart, are not just something fun that we're using to create some language to keep us encouraged for the day. They're words that are eternal. They're words of life. But Paul wants us to remember that what we're going through, use that word light, affliction, it actually means light and weight. And you think, what I'm going through is not light and weight. In terms of eternity, it's light and weight. In fact, that word affliction is something that's pressing. It's a pressure. It's tribulation. It's trouble. But the wording for us is it's a light affliction compared to eternity. When I trust the Lord, when I walk in the fear of the Lord, when I even look at certain circumstances, things that I see, I have to always reflect on the unseen. That's how I do all things unto him. Because it's hard to do all of those things sometimes, but I'm doing it unto him because it pleases him first. Bow your heads if you would with me this morning. In fact, let's pray uh, for each and every one of us individually. Father, I pray today that, Lord, that we look at your word to trust you, your promises to trust you, to walk in the awe, the awesomeness of the Lord in our life. Father, uh, whatever situation, things that might, it might be financial, it might be health, that, Lord, that we would look at it in your circumstances and remember the power and strength of things that are eternal, our eternal hope. Because you've promised that when I fear you and I depart from evil, you promised that it would be health to my flesh and it would be strength to my bones. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I, I want to lead you in a prayer. And we get this out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. But I would like all of us to pray say this prayer after me, but if you've never said this before, this is that opportunity to come back to him today. Would you pray this and believe these words in your heart? Everybody pray this with me. Dear Lord, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Jesus, I open up the door of my heart. I make you my Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
In Jesus' name we pray. If you prayed that prayer today, I encourage you at the end of service, come connect with one of us just to pray with you and, and be encouraged that God is doing a new thing in your life. Well, stand with me if you would.